What can the preacher say about St. Thomas Aquinas that is not already known? Not only is he a favored saint of the Dominican order, the common or angelic doctor whose teaching has brought glory to the family of St. Dominic, but he's also the patron of academics, of philosophers and theologians. He's the patron of Catholic schools, of professors and teachers and apologists. He's also the patron saint of booksellers. <laughs> so uh, I figure he's probably the patron saint of Amazon, judging <laughs> by all the books that flow into the Dominican House of Studies in Washington, D.C. Seems he's also the patron saint of pencil makers. One wonders how many quills were sacrificed in the writing and copying of his works. He's the patron saint against storms and lightning. No doubt due to the storm on the sea he confronted on one of his journeys. Now, although today he may not be the favorite saint of every student of this college, and I'm sorry to say, my guess is he's not the favorite saint of every Dominican, for shame. <laughs> he is quite well known to all of us, indeed to, no doubt, to every student who walks through these halls. They undoubtedly can't help but to have more than a passing familiarity with the angelic doctor, and we pray, a budding devotion to him. Aquinas on himself, on the other hand, seems by all accounts not to have had a devotion to any particular saint, although he was devoted to all saints. Certainly one cannot but imagine him invoking St. Augustine or St. John Chrysostom St. Gregory the Great or St. John Damascene as he studied and dictated his own work, relying as he did on their thought and citing them often. But the witness of his life, the witnesses to his life and his canonization process never mentions, for instance, prayers to any particular saint. Apart from the instance of healing Reginald's illness on the feast of St. Agnes using one of her relics, by all accounts, his contemplation and prayer life centered solely on Christ crucified and on the Blessed Mother. Though we might expect Aquinas' prayer life to be more cerebral, he was in fact supremely devoted to the humanity of Christ offered on the cross. Because he viewed our Lord's humanity as a sort of pedagogy pedagogy supremely adapted to enabling us to arrive at his divinity. For St. Thomas, every single one of Christ's actions in the gospel is an instruction or a teaching for us. Every single one. And that was really the rule of his life. It's the rule of his theology. Every single thing that Christ says or does, he says or does to teach teach you and to teach me. Even the things in the gospel that seem strange or odd, for instance, admonishing the Syrophoenician woman about taking scraps from uh, the table and giving them to the dogs, St. Thomas, following many of the church fathers, would say this was not, in fact, a condemnation or a brusque word on our Lord's part, but that because he knew the faith in her heart, and knew that she would profess her faith, 
he was in fact eliciting from her this profession to teach his disciples and to put them to shame for their lack of faith in the sight of her, who was more impoverished than they. That the, that the angelic doctor himself does not seem to have been particularly given to devotion and prayer to the saints still might cause us some concern as we celebrate his feast day and we implore his prayers. Is this something that he himself would have discouraged? But of course, we know that he himself was profoundly aware and throughout his life repeatedly affirmed the fact that the blessed in heaven, the saints, pray for those who invoke them, and especially those uh, that do so with devotion. Devotion for St. Thomas is an act that is directed first and foremost to God. He is the one who deserves all of our devotion. But yet the angelic doctor admits that we can have devotion for the saints, which he says terminates or ends in the honor of God, the same God who has raised these saints in, in the history of the church to be particularly close to certain causes, certain professions, and certain people, theologians, professors, educators, and pencil makers. While St. Thomas takes it as axiomatic that some saints are greater or lesser than others, he certainly thinks, as we all should, that the Blessed Mother is the greatest among the saints, he understands that such diversity is part of the providence of God. And so that praying to a lower saint rather than a higher saint, as if we could know which ones are higher or more favored than the others, after the Blessed Mother, of course, he says can be good in any number of ways because of that saint's focus in life, that saint's patronage, and our own need for a variety in our own spiritual lives. We need a variety of saints to read about, to pray to, and to be devoted to. Spiritual life is not meant to be a rut in our devotions. And so while St. Thomas may not have availed himself much to prayer to the saints, he was also quite clear that the saints align themselves perfectly with the will of God. And that they know that in the beatific, sorry, that they know in the beatific vision what God wills them to know for their perfect and complete happiness. Everything that the saints in heaven know, they know through the beatific vision of God. And it seems that the saints' complete and perfect happiness is, in fact, to pray in charity for their neighbors, the wayfarers, you and I, who are still on our way to God. And this. This is a particular manifestation of God's infinite goodness, because the goodness of God is exponentially more manifest because by the saints' prayers, they themselves can become agents of our holiness. They become agents in holiness. So St. Thomas says it's, it's more good and more perfect not only to be the source of perfection himself and God, but to allow creatures to be sources of perfection in others. The saints are the sources of our holiness in their prayers. Every one of their prayers is efficacious because the saints never ask for anything that is not willed by God. 
the saints may not, in fact, be praying for what you tell them to pray for. <laughs> Even if what they ask for him on our behalf, as I say, is not quite what we might ask them to pray for. In fact, while St. Paul says faith and hope do not continue in heaven, because charity continues in heaven, Aquinas is clear that the seven gifts of the Spirit continue in heaven. He doesn't tell us what all the gifts do for the saints in heaven, except for the gift of counsel. This is the gift that in this life leads to our own docility to the promptings of the Spirit on matters of what I should do here and now for the sake of salvation. It's the gift of counsel. It's the gift at work in you and in me that makes us docile to the movements to go pray, to forgive, to love, all for the sake of salvation. Aquinas says that same gift is at work in the saints in heaven, inasmuch as the gift of counsel in them illumines their mind for whom to pray and for what to pray. God is directly working in the saints in heaven, in their souls, to move them to pray for you and to pray for me. I think the saints just decide on their own what they're going to do with their eternal day and the <laughs> God's gifts and his spirit moves in them so that they do and are aligned completely according to his will. In heaven, the union of the soul with God is absolute. His will is their will. Completely and utterly. So perhaps St. Thomas Aquinas doesn't pray for a student, a student to receive an A on a comprehensive exam, uh, no matter how much the student asks him to do so. Uh, maybe he doesn't pray that your lecture will go perfectly for you, or that you might get published in the journal you hope to get published in. Uh, but he prays, rather, that you might come to know God more deeply, and to follow him more faithfully which in God's divine providence might be caused proximately by, say, failing the comprehensive examination. St. Thomas is certain that devotion to a particular saint makes one's prayers to that saint all the more efficacious, just as he says that a devout celebration of the Mass makes the priest's intention all the more efficacious. Devotion, when we're devoted, it affects how we do the things that we do. It affects the mode of our actions. St. Thomas says this is true because devotion makes us ready to serve and to worship God more deeply and more easily and more promptly. Catalyzed by that friendship with God called charity, devotion arises out of the awareness that what we get only in contemplation, an awareness we get only in contemplation of God's overwhelming goodness in the face of our own shortcomings, weakness, and sins. So for St. Thomas, this is what causes us to be devoted to God. If we do not know our own weaknesses, our own sins, our own uh, limitations, and God's absolute vetoing, overriding love, we will not be devoted to him in the most profound ways. We might assume that the devotion to the saints, which leads to devotion to God, arises in much the same way. The saints themselves become, for us, examples of God's goodness to the human race in spite of our fallen condition and our sin. It helps, of course, if the saint is naturally likable and relatable to us. 
And I'd like to suggest that there is much about St. Thomas himself that inspires devotion. Because in life, although he was known to be at times lost in the world of contemplation, requiring occasionally a tug on his kappa to bring him back into a conversation, he was consistently joyful, and he was always patient with his students and his interlocutors. He, ne he was never known to hurt someone with his intelligence or with his words. He never, in fact, spoke brusquely or sharply. His students were devoted to him, as were his peers, more or less. When three years after the day of his death, in March of 1277, the Bishop of Paris condemned many of his teachings. Condemned Aquinas, his teachings. <laughs> the order rallied to his defense. In one general chapter after another, not only spelling out punishments friars would endure if they ever spoke negatively of Aquinas, <laughs> but eventually commanding the brothers that they were always only to speak positively about him <laughs> and about his teaching. In many ways, St. Thomas remains the face of the Dominican order and is probably more widely known than even our Holy Father Dominic. Those who give themselves to studying his life and his teaching inevitably find themselves growing to know him and to love him and so to implore his prayers all the more with devotion. And if he himself is right, and there's a lot to suggest he is, <laughs> He knows that those who pray to him, he knows them in the eternal word of the beatific vision. Because this is what God does for the saints, to perfect their happiness in heaven, to know the people who invoke them. So Aquinas knows you, and he knows me personally in the vision of God. He prays for us not only in theological charity, but in fraternal charity. You and me sons and daughters of St. Dominic. Though in life he himself may not have had much recourse in prayer to the saints, it's now part of his glory in heaven to know and pray for those engaged in the studying and the preaching of the crucified Lord, those who plumb the depths of the mysteries of divine revelation. Imagining how trepid we might be to approach him at table were he with us today, knowing our insufficiency and our own limits, I'm consoled by his remarks almost 800 years ago that what makes us worthy to approach the saints is in fact our need to have recourse, to have conversation with them out of pure devotion, to our need to have recourse with them, with those who have gone before us and who have won the crown of victory. For us, St. Thomas is not merely a name we invoke. He is our brother who knows us in Christ, who prays for us, perhaps not to get the A, but important, more importantly, to come to know the Lord more, deep, more deeply and lovingly so that we will become what he already is, so that the Lord, in fact, becomes all that we desire. And so that in humility, which St. Thomas says is the virtue that gives us untrammeled access to divine favors, so that in humility, like St. Thomas, we can say as well, non nisi te domine, all I want 